You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. So rather than trust God as to what the future that awaited them and how much better it could be, they settled for what was right in front of them. You see, the problem with being led by your experience is that your experience is limited to you. And you're limited in what you've experienced. You only know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. And here's the problem. You don't know that you don't know what you don't know. Are you limiting yourself? You can only see so far. Do you make decisions based only on your limited knowledge and experience? In today's message, Pastor Holland teaches us that our unbelief causes us much harm. Edging God out of our decisions prevents us from receiving His blessings. Receiving His blessings requires us to go beyond our current understanding and to trust in something we can't yet see. Let's believe beyond our limitations and trust the God who knows everything. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Numbers chapter 22 as he begins his message, Justifying Unbelief. Well, we're going to turn to Numbers chapter 32. And the children of Israel are at the borders of the promised land. They've wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. And now they're at the, at the borders of the promised land, about to enter into the land that God has told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he's going to give them this land. And uh, the first time they were here, this is the second time they're at the border. The first time was two years after they left Egypt. It took them two years to get from Egypt to the borders of the promised land. Now, it would have happened sooner, but God had them stay almost a year at Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, if you remember, that's where the, the presence of God descended on the mountain. God gave the Torah, the word of God, to the people of Israel. And as God is as doing that, what is he doing? He's establishing his rule and his reign, his kingdom in the people of Israel. That's what the law is. The law is the government of God. So God is establishing uh, his government in the people of Israel. This happened to us in the church in Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost on the same day when the law was established, the government of God was established in the nation of Israel. The government of God is established in the church. How is it? It's still under the law. We're still under the law, but it's not the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So you and I are now governed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now leads us. The Holy Spirit now directs us moment by moment if you will, the cloud by day, the fire by night, just like the Lord directed the children of Israel when he descended upon the mountain at Mount Sinai. And so the first time they come to the borders of the promised land, Moses sent spies into the land, and they were there for 40 days, and they came back with a bad report. If you remember, uh, they came back and said, hey, we can't go into the land. We can't take the land. There are giants in the land. If we go in the land, we're going to die. And only two people came out and believed the word of the Lord, and that was Joshua and Caleb. And they said, no, this is good land, God's going to give it to us. We should go take the land. And they were ready immediately to take the land. But the people believed the bad report. 
and they refused to enter the land. They listened to the unbelieving report. They refused to enter the land. And as a result, the children of Israel have wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. And as they're wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, what is happening? Unbelief dies a natural death. Unbelief dies a natural death in the children of Israel. And so now, 40 years later, you have a a new generation. You have faith that rises up in the nation, a new generation. You could almost say it was a new creation, okay? A new creation rises up in the nation of Israel, and they are once again, as a new creation, as a generation of faith, at the border of the promised land. However, two of the tribes and half of another tribe decide that they don't want to go across into the promised land. The tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gaid, and half of the tribe of Menasheh request that their inheritance would be the conquered land that was east of the Jordan River. Now, just as a kind of a a side note, if we remember when we were going through the book of Genesis and uh, Adam and Eve, you know, Adam and Eve sin and they're cast out of the Garden of Eden, what direction did they go into? Do you remember? The east. They went east. So east, when you go east in the scriptures, going east or being east always represents sin always represents the consequence of sin or the consequence of unbelief, living east. So here we are. They want to remain on the eastern side or east of the Jordan. And we read about it in Numbers 32, verse 19. It says, for the generation of Reuben and Gade, they say, for we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on this eastern side of the Jordan. Hey, we have our inheritance right here. Now, the Bible tells us that Reuben and Gade had a very great multitude of livestock. They had a lot of horses. They had a lot of uh, sheep, cattle. They were ranchers. They had goats. And the land east of the Jordan was known, in particular, the land of Yezer and Gilead were known for a place that was perfect for raising livestock. It was world-renowned. We read a little bit in our study of the descriptions that the ancient geographers wrote about that region. It was lush pasture land, and it was trees that were fruit trees that the animals could eat from, and they could graze, and there were streams that were running all through the land that, where they could drink, and it was just perfect for raising livestock. And so they wanted to remain in the land, and they didn't want to go into the promised land. Now, the writer of Hebrew makes it clear that the decision to not enter the land was a decision that was based on unbelief. In Hebrews 3.19, it says, so we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief. Unbelief kept Reuben and Gade and half of the tribe of Manasseh from going into the land. And what we're going to discover is that in their unbelief, What they did was they justified their decision. 
they justified their unbelief. And so we have here in the scriptures an example of those who justify unbelief. And there are some principles that we can look at from the scriptures concerning unbelief that will help us as we walk by faith through this journey of life that is much like a wilderness experience. Compared to heaven, this is a wilderness, right? Heaven is amazing. You know, like Pastor Chuck, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm going to see his lovely face because heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. Heaven. Now, everybody sing along. So this is just a wilderness compared to what awaits us in heaven, right? And there are oftentimes things that we look at this life and we justify the decisions we make. We justify decisions that are based out of unbelief. And so we want to look at some of these principles this morning. The first principle is this. Unbelief is always based on my present experience, my present experience. Listen to verse 4 of chapter 32 in the book of Numbers. It says, the country which the Lord defeated, hey, God, you know, defeated our enemies over here before the congregation of Israel as a land for livestock. And your servants, us, we have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, Let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. So notice what their reasoning is. The land we've conquered is for livestock. We have livestock. Therefore, it's logical. Give us this land. This is the best land for livestock. And so we should have this land. Let this land be our possession. Now, on the surface, it seems logical. On the surface, it makes sense. It seems to be the best decision. But there is a small detail in their thinking that sets them up for unbelief, for future problems. One word. One word makes the difference. And let me just tell you, one word makes the difference in our lives. All we need is one word from Jesus, and that changes our lives. One word makes the difference in the life of the tribe of Reuben and Gade. It says, notice it says that this is a land for livestock. It doesn't say that this is the land for livestock. This is just the best place we've seen. It doesn't mean that this is the best place there is. And that was the difference. That was what kept them from entering into the promised land. They said, in our experience, this is as good as it gets. We've been all over. We've, we've known. We've seen it. And now we see it for ourselves. This is the best place to be. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment 
and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. But God said to go over to the promised land, that there was something better that awaits them, but they hadn't experienced it. They couldn't see it. So rather than trust God as to what the future that awaited them and how much better it could be, they settled for what was right in front of them. You see, the problem with being led by your experience is that your experience is limited to you. And you're limited in what you've experienced. You only know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. And here's the problem. You don't know that you don't know what you don't know. Right? Because you haven't seen it. I remember growing up, I used to love going to McDonald's. And to me, going to a five-star restaurant was when instead of going to McDonald's, you went to Denny's. That was like a five-star restaurant. Because, you know, you had a whole menu there. You can order whatever you want. McDonald's said, have it your way. But they lied because it's really at Denny's. You know, you could could really get whatever you wanted there, you know. And then I went to a real five-star restaurant. And then I learned what I didn't know. I saw finally that I didn't know what I was talking about. I was limited by my own experience. And here's the thing. God wants to expand what you know. He doesn't want you to be limited by what you know. He wants to expand it. In Jeremiah 33.3, it says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. I want to show you things you don't know. There's a big move in our culture right now to, to see people who are experts. We want to listen to the experts, right? We want to listen to the, the got to listen to the scientists. They're the experts. You got five scientists in the room and they'll give your expert opinion and they'll all contradict each other. You know, got to listen to the experts. But the experts don't know. God wants to show you the things that you don't know, that nobody knows. That word great here, when he says, I want to show you great and mighty things, that word great speaks of high things. It's the word gadol. And that word gadol is the word that we use in in worship to describe the greatness of God. There's the song, How Great Is Our God. And when uh, there's a guy by the name of Joshua Aaron that uh, translated it into Hebrew, and and he sings it, gadol Adonai. Gadol is speaking of the great things, the high things, the the highest things. And so God wants to reveal to you, first of all, his greatness, his greatness that is known in all the world. He wants to reveal his wisdom to you, his understanding, his power. Those are the things that he wants you to know, that he wants you to understand from him. 
I mean, think about the wisdom that created the eye, the human eye. No one's been able to duplicate that. No one's been able to do that. And yet God, in his wisdom, formed the eye. Don't you want to learn from that guy? The God that created the human brain. Now, I know not everyone has one, but... But the wisdom of God that put it all, the wisdom that created the seasons and the way that the world works, the rain that comes down and upon the land and flows through the water tables back to the ocean and gets evaporated and rises back up to the sea and creates the weathers that we have to to water the earth. I mean, just the, the wisdom that put that all together. He wants to reveal his wisdom to us, his understanding. That word mighty speaks of things that are inaccessible. They're inaccessible to the normal person. You can't know them unless they're revealed to you. God has to reveal that wisdom to you. In Corinthians, Paul writes this. He says, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You see, the natural man, the man who does not know God, the man who has not been born again, who is not born of the Spirit, has no capacity to understand the great and mighty things of God. No ability, doesn't have the the capacity to get it because the Spirit of God is not in him. But those who are born again, those who are born of the Spirit, we have the capacity to know the great and mighty things of God because the same Spirit, the Spirit of God is in us. The same Spirit that searches the mind of God is in us. That's the same spirit that is revealing and showing us things. It's always amazing to me as I'm studying and I'm preparing and, and I'm looking through the scriptures, all of a sudden God shows me something that I never saw before. And it just blows my mind. It's like as we were going through the book of Numbers and God began to reveal to me that, wow, he's taking Israel to this land that he's prepared from, just kind of like a a bridegroom would take his bride to the place that he's prepared for him. And when he gets there, they're going to have a wedding ceremony, a wedding feast. I wonder if the book of Numbers is like this whole idea of a betrothal. And God began to pour that into me. And then as I began to study, I began to realize it is. And in order for it to be legitimate, there's got to be a covenant, a contract, a ketubah, a betrothal contract, and I found it. It was there. We talked about it. And God began to show me how the whole journey through the wilderness, really Israel had one thing that they had to do, and that is to remain faithful to God, to prepare to spend an eternity of relationship, of intimacy with God, and to be faithful to God. And what did Israel do? Israel was unfaithful. They didn't believe God. They didn't trust God. And so what does God do in the life of Israel, as we talked about? He removes unbelief out of them. 
and faith rises up. What does God do in you and I as we're going through this wilderness experience called life, this journey as we're waiting for our bridegroom to come and take us up to the place that he's been preparing for us? We have one job in this world, and that is to remain faithful to him. And when we have those areas of our lives where we don't trust, where we don't believe, what does he do? He removes unbelief. Unbelief dies a natural death in our life, and faith rises up. God turns us into believers as we get to know him more and more and more. As we experience life with him, he makes believers out of us. And so we have this capacity to receive this insight, this revelation from God, where he wants you to know what he thinks and why he does things. When Jeremiah says, God will show you great and mighty things which you do not know, he's speaking about things which you have not experienced, things that you haven't been through. And so the only way that we can know them, the only way that we can receive this revelation is through a supernatural encounter with God. Now, this kind of knowledge we can only get as we experience God's work in our life. We experience God's promises being fulfilled in our lives. We watch them come to pass. And as I've said many times, every encounter with God, every encounter with God's word is a supernatural encounter that elevates us, that lifts us up, that transforms us, that raises us up, that that faith explodes in our hearts. When I sat down with Pastor Chuck and we talked about starting this church and making an official you know, I remember going through the school of ministry and hearing all these Chuck stories, you know, Chuck, how, you know, God just provided. You know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, I don't have any of those stories. I work at a church and I get paid a good salary. I'm never going to have stories like that. And then we took a step of faith. We started this church. We went from almost a six-figure salary down to zero, which is a step of faith, by the way. Like, that's a huge step of faith especially when you got kids and, and everything else. You got a mortgage, insurance you got to pay, all that stuff. It's like, wow, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. And we took a step of faith. We watched God build the same stories that Pastor Chuck was tell in our lives. The biggest one that to this day just still blows my mind is is our house. The fact that we live in a house in South Orange County and our house payment is $1,500 a month. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Just try to rent something. I can rent my room for $1,500 a month. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And that's something that God did. Thank you for listening today. When I was a young man, Jesus made himself known to me. I was sitting in a Bible study, and I heard an audible voice say, Holland, I love you. And those words changed my life. And you know, those words can change your life today as well. You know, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. And today you can begin that eternal everlasting life by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to live my life for you. Forgive me for everything I've done to offend you. Forgive me for breaking your law. I want to surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've done that, you're born again. You've been listening to a message in a series through the book of Numbers. Pastor Holland has more to share from this Old Testament book, and we look forward to the next edition of Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Numbers is a mix of rules and rituals, sprinkled with details of God's expectations, as well as giving you some good insights into some of the larger events that occurred during this time of wandering in the wilderness. God gave the people many opportunities to follow in obedience, which would include blessing, but many times the people chose their own way, which led to death and judgment. It's a recurring pattern that happens with human nature. One thing's for sure, God gives chances and grants mercy. But he also must judge for sin and wickedness. As you listen to these teachings, do you appreciate the way that God responds to things? Or does it bother you in some way? If you'd like to get in touch with us about what you've heard today, feel free to call us at 949-228-9117. That number again is 949-228-9117. We'd be happy to talk with you about any questions, comments, or concerns. Another way you can learn more about what you're hearing is by listening to additional messages from this series. You can find them at calvarysanclemente.org. Click on the Teachings tab. We're thankful that you spent some of your day listening to the Word and hope you'll join us again on Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.